Welcome to yet another scintillating edition of Crossing Phase, a podcast where a Christian and Muslim talk religion and politics. We are available at crossingphase.com. We're also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, iHeartRadio, at Spotify. Tune in and, of course, on Twitter at Crossing Phase. That's plural phase because there are two of us, one Christian and one Muslim. John Pinna, welcome back. How you doing, sir? I'm good. I understand you were in D.C. last week, but this morning finds you in the great north of New York. Yeah, I'm in Poughkeepsie. Poughkeepsie. Hashtag Hudson Valley, (laughs) Seed of American (laughs) Revolution, uh, Dutch history, all that good stuff. And then, uh, but I was in New York last week. I was at UNGA, the United States General Assembly, and I was very fortunate to have the presidential invite to the uh his announcement when it comes to uh protection of religion site religious sites and yeah. artifacts which you know we ha- we are passionate if you've heard our previous episodes we're very <laughs> passionate about relics we just had the conversation about the cloak this is the magic That's cloak right. yeah john's passionate so, uh, about it i'm i'm minorly indifferent <laughs> Inter- interested well, and slightly indifferent well, what I heard was the cloak was magic, but it was magic through God, through Jesus, through to yeah. the, through the cloak. But I, I mean, that's what I heard. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, um, but uh, John's interested know, but I, in in relics, especially if there's any possibility that they provide magical powers. Well, you know, I used to play D and D. Okay, so uh-huh. so that's there you go. So, well, that explains a lot. Well, it does explain <laughs> a lot, right? So I like the idea of uh, you know, and when I was playing D and D, everybody thought it was like this weird. Sort of devil yeah, thing, but it's, I remember you know, it's just days. it's just a role playing game. You know, I don't know where you stand on it. Um, where do you stand on D anD D? Is that uh, uh, this at this point in my life fairly indifferent? But I do remember as a child of the eighties, uh, all sorts of rumors and uh, controversy over over Dungeons and Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, uh, so I mean, it's, look, into it, the, and, and the, it was all you know, it, it was pre internet. Look, it was pre internet, and you had you know all the pop culture. Uh, or the the conspiracy theory stuff instead of circulating via social media or, or email was all word of mouth, right? And uh, maybe late night yeah. pseudo news shows. Um, but yeah, D and D was the subject of much controversy. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't. I mean, there was a you know, there was it was just one of those those things. Where, you know, you just had a bunch of guys getting together, and we would just it's a know, card it's, game. Um, well, you have a dungeon master, and then you have a module. So this is old school. So there's there's D and D, there's AD and D, which is Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, and then it goes all the way up to Second Edition. Then there's stuff after that, uh-huh. which is all a pyramid scheme. But the stuff before that, and of course, this is one of those things where if we get some, you know, role players on the, <laughs> I, the, the whole, this whole thing will slide sideways. But um, it, it, it basically. You have a dungeon master, and the dungeon master is sort of like leads the game, but also has the ability to sort of make judgment calls and uh-huh. add things in to keep making it interesting. Yeah. And then you follow a module, and uh, the best module that there ever was was called the Sinister Keep of Salt, salt Marsh, <laughs> and uh, that's that's a fact. It holds the first, the second, and the third slots for the best module ever. Those who disagree don't send us hate mail. <laughs> yeah, well, we can, if D&D people send us hate mail, we can handle it. You know, we can, we can handle it. We can weather that storm. How are we three um, minutes in and still talking about uh, D&D? Well, I just figure it's a good <laughs> plug, right? Because there used to be this book called Demigods and Deities. And that was uh, my first exposure. Besides the the book 
uh, ancient cultures that I stole from the library in second grade and first grade, <laughs> sorry, from Mrs. Wilson's class, which I never got <laughs> caught for that. Um, th- that, that, uh, that went into all the different gods and the different, um, uh, uh what is it called? The, the different, uh, so myth, mythology of the different cultures. So, uh-huh. you know, you would have the Norse gods and this one and that I was really into it even back then. You know, you know, the, the, they go into the Egyptian gods yeah. and, uh, the, you know, it's, it's, it was, a, I still, I still have, you know, like, I don't want to say, you know, a substantial part of my knowledge because I majored in religion, but right. walking into college, a good part of my knowledge was from, you already Dungeons had a high, about, yeah, you already had a high interest in, uh, in, in the broad, uh, comparative religion. Well, I think Something high matter. interest, but low competency. Let's just make sure that I like, – like I'm not advocating that you get into D&D to learn about religion. That's not what I'm advocating. But I, but that's what happened to me. That's what set me on my course. And I was just fascinated with you know, the Egyptian gods and, and all these different you know uh, cultures and religions that – and, and, and somehow we're we're here now, <laughs> you yeah. know. Like yeah. whatever happened to Osiris? What's he up to these days? <sighs> you know what's what's the story there? You know, and uh, is there an Osiris cult floating around? Cult floating around? I, I don't know, yeah. but um, but it, it was it was kind of kind of was kind of neat. They used to have this in the book some hieroglyphics, and so you know you're playing the game and you you start learning some of this stuff and. And uh, I, don't know, I was heavily socialized with it because my father and it was an American history guy and all this other stuff. Then and we played D and D with all these myths and and you know really kind of cool stuff. But my disclaimer is I always was a mage. I always was a actually a cleric, a religious monk uh-huh. when I played. Fascinating. Who got his power? We're, we're from learning so much about John Pitt's backstory here. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's really awesome. bad. It's just terrible. Like you're like, well, I, okay, now let me, let's just cut them off. Um, but there's if, another sponsor for the podcast. Is the Dungeons and Dragons group? I don't know if they're around. It used to be Gary Gyjax. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure which would enrage uh, some Americans more: the fact that you're a Muslim or the fact that you played D and D when you were younger. Like, well, everybody's just going to turn around and be like, I get it now. I get it. You know. So, right. um, but uh, one of my friends is uh, who play I play D and D with is. Uh, he runs. Uh, he's like like one of the top guys with the, the Renaissance Festival that goes around the country. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. He's my like, my that, wife he, likes the Renaissance Festival for the for the turkey legs. Well, the turkey legs are fun, and then uh, so he has like three shops. One is like a head shop. The other one is maybe like trinkets and stuff, and then the third one is the elf ears. Uh huh. You can buy the elf ears and then yeah. get them installed right then and there. <laughs> Are these like the surgically installed ones? I don't know. Or they just surgically, uh, but, but they're, like they're they realistic the makeup yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they're pointed ears. You know, yeah, they're yeah. Spock ears, apparently, yeah. uh, essentially. And then, but and then he does all the um, he does all the the sound for the the you know the jousting show. He does all the electronic stuff. Very smart guy. Very. Yeah. It was a. I've known him forever, but well, uh, but yeah. Well, that that somewhat resonates with with my childhood i wasn't in the D stuff or the medieval stuff but i did have a pair of plastic spock ears that fit over yeah. my ears okay so now you just open the door <laughs> so you are a star trek guy i not not for long or without any any serious commitment but i did i do remember having having those plastic ears that you know 
Wow. So, so, see, see, any see, any were... realm of uh, sci-fi related uh, applications, but mostly I was thinking of Spock. All right. So this is a trick question. Where do you think I fall? Do you th- in the in the in the sci-fi space genre? Um, Star Trek. I'm a Dune guy. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, that. there's Star Wars, there's Star Trek, and then there's, there's Dune. So I'm like way in the Dune camp. Yeah. All right. So now we're, now <laughs> no, we know no, which we, camps we're in. Which no, we're, so no, we, we don't see eye to eye with science, science, sci-fi. Apparently, you're in the Renaissance festival, so you're dressing up. No, I said and my wife likes it for the things. for the for the turkey legs. I right, actually, that's all you I guys, actually honestly that's all you have guys never, do. I actually have never been to a Renaissance festival, but there's one not far from here. Maybe. Hmm. 20, 30 miles from here. There's one. Some so guy, when, some guy literally built out, a big castle outside of Nashville. Okay. Well, so when I come out, we'll have to, uh, it's in May. You got to come in May. We'll, we'll have to, we'll have to tear it, tear it up and then, and you know, just rock in there and see what's going on. So, well, here's the big, so, the big so, story. Here's the big scoop. What, the big scoop is over the weekend. I did this a week, a week ago yeah. and you did it uh-huh. or you did it some time ago. So the political compass, right? Yeah. The political compass. So that's the, that's the big scoop, at least well, between not, the two of us, not for anybody else. But this I, is the big scoop. I'm not sure it's so, the big – I'm not sure – the date of recording this, I'm not sure it's the big scoop. <laughs> no, the big scoop is the impeachment and how the evangelicals want to start a civil war. Exactly, which we'll get that? to. Which, we, which yeah, we'll get to. How about, how about that? We, you know, we, we'll, we'll wade into that one. But so when I teach a class uh, at the college level or I always have my staff and we do things – I always have them do the political compass as a way for them to sort of find out a little bit more about themselves and how yeah. are they, who they are, do they perceive the, the way they perceive themselves and the way they are? Is it, is it, does it jive? Yeah. And there's this, this site, right? It's called the political compass.org. Yep. And we'll I don't know how accurate notes. it is, but it turns out that I'm like, I'm like a fascist and well, you're, you're like a libertarian. Apparently. Yeah. I, I'm you know, squarely so. for the record in the libertarian quadrant. Like I, I'm, and I'm, but I actually loosened up quite a bit. I took it years ago, and I was right between Thatcher and like Trump, where Trump uh, is, right, right between the. Now I'm like right below Trump somewhere. Like I dropped a couple. <laughs> we can post them on our website. Yeah, we'll, we'll post terrible. them. We'll post them. Oh we'll my. post John's and Matt's. Oh my god, it's terrible. It's te- so. I know. Um, I'm really we'll close never... to the line. I'm really close to the quadrant of. Uh, so upper left. You have a leftward authoritarian, and then in the upper right quadrant is authoritarian rightward, and then lower right is rightward libertarian, and then lower left is left libertarian. So this, if you can, listeners can put that in their mind's eye, we'll put it in the in the show notes. But I'm in the right quadrant, but I'm pretty close to center and uh, basically just a notch away from the upper right quadrant of the authoritarian. So... So we'll start a Twitter sort of craze this week on this after the impeachment nonsense. But we'll, what we'll do is, I think we should we should sort of egg anybody who's listening to 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 do the take the test, and then you know they don't have to post it, but then they can right. you know kind of you know get get involved. But I think I always thought this was kind of a good deal. I don't know if it's how true it is, but yeah. Well, it's uh, one of the more was... quality ones I, I've seen. I mean, I think some of the questions are leaning, but I understand in a survey like this, they're trying to get you to commit. Yeah. Uh, commits a good word, so uh, yeah, so I understand I mean, this thing. So it, it was uh, more, it was more interesting and probably more reliable, more reliable than most of the things say you'd see on like BuzzFeed or something like that. So you're you're libertarian, right? Yeah. Oh, 
Jesus, I'm, I'm not. Wait, I'm, which, to, for the record, as a as an evangelical and a uh, gosh, what do you call it now? A principled conservative. Not a Trumpian conservative as it's branded nowadays. Uh, I have lots of problems with the libertarian uh, ethos, uh, but at the very basic level, people who claim to be friends of liberty or what they call it, the liberty principle in, in philosophical circles, like I'm on board for. Okay. Well, I'm a cynical optimist from New York. How about that? How about <laughs> That's that? good. I like that. Because that, that's, that's that fits you know, that fits well. It does, doesn't it? Like I'm not really negative, but I I, I, I have a problem with a lot of things, you know. <laughs> and I take broad social trends personally, you know. So you know, I, mean, I really do. So uh, all right, so, so we were, we're on, the, on the on the Civil War side. Yeah, so, so we're scrolling comes, through headlines. We're scrolling through headlines. Well, no, well, well, let, let's well, let's let's. I mean, I think the. The, the the caveat or the the, the disclaimer is the impeachment's going on. I'm uh-huh. sitting here going, there's no religious element to it, right? So so I'm like, <laughs> I I want to do impeachment thing, but we can't. There's no religious element to it. And sure enough, on a silver platter, the evangelicals, <laughs> one evangelical, whole, well, a big one. The guy is part of the evangelical council to Trump, uh-huh. and it's in on the hill, like the hill, which is the you know the 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 the, the, the journal for. Yeah. Yeah. The Capitol Hill. Yeah. And there's an article about Pastor Jeffries, who I've had a pleasure of meeting a couple of times. Uh-huh. Um, it says this comment about that, that, that civil war is going to break out. So um, warring evangelicals, you know, because you guys are known for your peace, peaceful <laughs> and 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 really sound, peaceful rhetoric. So I would like to know yeah. where this sits with you. So. Pastor Jeffries, I'll let, and then I'm, that's the lead into you to get into the comment and everything else. Okay. All right. So Trump tweeted uh, an extended quote from Pastor Robert Jeffress, who was on Fox News. And the key part of the quote is a multi tweet. It, it was like a thread. Is it Jeffress? Is that how you say his name? Because I've been calling him Jeffries. No, it's Jeffress. J E F F R E S S. So that's a hard apology to right. Pastor for re- mispronouncing his name when, when when I see him because I've just seen him maybe three three I, times and I shared I'm a dinner. Sure, with him. at the uh, personal level, he's very gracious. But he, he is unbelievably gracious and yeah. unbelievably nice. He's overly nice. Uh-huh. One of the and I, I'm just gonna. This is one of the best people to interact with one on one, face to face. He is cordial. He's nice. He's got this this way about him and he's got this accent you really want to listen to him yeah and i said i was shared it i actually sat next to him in a dinner and he was the nicest guy saw him at unga last week yeah. we chatted up for about 15 <laughs> minutes of back and forth and he's just so nice now his politics his other stuff i i don't know too much about um other than he's an evangelical and now he's advocating for civil war but um i gotta i gotta give a shout out to him he He's one of the nicest guys yeah. that I've met on the Evangelical Council at the White House, and he's very, very gracious, very, very cordial, yeah. and extremely, extremely insightful and talkative about uh-huh. things. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so the excerpted Trump uh, tweeted a thread of his remarks, um, but the key, the key handful of words is quote: "If the Democrats are successful in removing the president from office (parentheses which they never will be). It will cause a civil war like fracture in this nation from which our country will never heal. 
and uh, thus you have uh, the usual uh, reports on the Hill and other places. Not only do you have an evangelical, prominent evangelical pastor apparently inciting civil war possibly over impeachment, you have the president of the United States quote tweeting him. Uh, yeah. I mean, which here's on the, the one hand is stunning again, but ought, maybe ought not be stunning given, given the first couple of years. Okay. Well, let's just, let's, let's, I mean, let's, we'll take two steps back on this one. Okay. First of all, the statement devalues the whole civil war and the, right. and the intent behind the civil war. So let's just, yeah. you know how I feel about slavery. Right. So we know that the civil war was started to restore the union. So that's, that's the plug in that way. And you know that I believe in, I do believe I'm a federalist. So I do believe in the federalist system. So right. I have no patience for anyone who's talking about breaking this country apart, period. Yeah. That's one. Two, um, and then, and not only that, discounting process. So if the president is impeached, it's that means it's going to go through a process, and that legal process is part of our institutional process. And then to say that you're not going to adhere to that process, right. it, you know, then it's Thunderdome. Anything goes, right? So I'm working yeah. on our hashtags, Thunder, hashtag, Thunderdome, you see. So all right, so <laughs> see if that then, done. Well, and, and what, what, the, what is interesting the, is – well, the third part is it devalues slavery. Yeah, and it's and and that devalues that whole thing because here's right. the problem. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not the most qualified person to talk about the plight of African Americans in this country, but in this case, I think it's very irresponsible to start wading into these waters as a Southern pastor, and you know, we have have a struggle with Jim Crow and the yeah. Reconstruction all this stuff after the civil war it's and then and then you're saying that this is the issue that's going to break the country apart right trump you know like it's that's that's not cool no. you know it, you know when we're talking about the devaluing of, of you know millions of people in the civil war and all this stuff going on it's just it, i think it's an irresponsible statement yeah. um i don't know if you agree but you no know, I, I, I agree it's I, it's hyperbolic uh, and it's it's absurd on its face, and I I agree it it devalues the conflict uh, that we had in the Civil War. Now you could parse his words and say he didn't say it would cause a civil war. He did say it would cause a civil war like fracture. But he also said it would you know from which he it would never heal. So as bad as it is right now, as bad as partisanship and polarization and tribalism is right now, I think. If we can, if we can, you know, now I say if we can heal from something like the Civil War, uh, I, I think we can we can get past Trump in, in the long arc of American history. At the same time, uh, I do recognize that history is uh, often connected to forces behind us that or the present is often connected to historical forces that uh, are behind us. And we don't really often have a full appreciation of that. So there are still ripple effects from the Civil War that that obviously played into the 20th century and are still playing uh, through racial tensions now. So, uh, But I still don't think uh, Trump, even if he is impeached, and even if on the slim likelihood he would actually be removed from office, which I don't think is going to happen, uh, the idea that our nation couldn't uh, heal from that I think is pretty pretty absurd. It's especially irresponsible of, of a president to quote tweet someone like that, some, a statement like that. But that's part for the well, course uh, for well, this president's I mean, Twitter account. Yeah. Well, I do think – yeah. I, I mean 
it's funny because the stuff that I have with the president and, you know, I work very close with the administration is like, you know, the, the 2024 campaign mm-hmm. for, for to, to go past the term limits. I have a problem with that. Okay. Well, it's not I have a happen. problem. Well, I know, but I have a problem with that. I have a problem inciting oh, sure. civil war because right. then that, that, that's an attack on the, 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 not even the foundation, but the entire bulwark that is our, 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 our institutions is saying, let's get into civil war because, you know, as I'm being, I'm being judged in this manner, uh, on, on actions that, that he, that was initiated by the president. And then the third thing is, is that I, you know, I, I, I mean, I have, I do have a problem with how, how policy is executed, but I'm an active participant yeah. in how this administration works um, from an outsider perspective. But I do, you know, provide my advice and guidance. And I, I have to be honest this this administration has been more engaging than the Obama administration was. Wow! I'll be I'll be honest with you. I mean, my favorite administration was the was young Bush. I mean, I yeah, it was pretty cool. Fine I, memories. But what's that? Fine memories. Well, I'll be honest with you. You know, he was a good guy. His wife was heavily involved in, and Laura Bush was heavily involved in the administration of the of the presidency, as was Cheney. So you had like a the sort of three part, you know, situation going on with that presidency with very competent and and strong people. You know, you know, Condoleezza Rice. I mean, cool and and pretty cool people. So Obama, you know, he would just you know, John took it under consideration. Everything's, I mean, and nothing, there was no, no decisions made in the second, and the second term. Uh-huh. I'm not sure he did anything but have dinners at the White House. But, and he wasn't a fighter. Yeah. Um, he'd make you feel what you feel something in your head and your heart, but then he wouldn't, they wouldn't do anything. Yeah. Well, so, um, and some of that was the, uh, some of the big picture of that was the fallout from after, um, after passing the Affordable Care Act that, uh, virtually nothing got done, uh, legislatively. After the Democrats passed, yeah, the yeah, stuff. And it, and, and that, it was just, yeah. you know, pretty, uh, pretty slow as far as legislative activity. So he he may have felt uh, frustrated and demoralized because uh, there was nothing moving. Well, there's nothing moving now, and on the Hill, you know, there's no legislation being passed. Right. Well, yeah, especially if all... impeachment uh, ensues. Yeah, 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 and 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 you know, people like to criticize McConnell from his. You know, with McConnell's doing, but the nuclear option was opened up by Harry Reid, mm-hmm. and and that was you know gave you know uh, McConnell a tool, uh, and and so there is a sort of revenge element coming back here. You know, uh, the, the, the idea that uh, that that uh, you know they pushed the, the Dems pushed their agenda so heavily, yeah. and, and used you know options that rearranged the, the legislative process and now the, the the you know the republicans are just taking advantage of that but um but when it comes to when it comes to this this when it comes to to to, to trump the trump administration there is access you do they do listen they do uh, you know but they're not dealing with a, a lot of the issues in bulk they kind of focus on a few yeah. and just hammer those few and and then and then do with their you know do the you know, kind of persevere with with some of the with some agenda. I can't, I can't, I, I can't criticize them on the international religious freedom stuff. I mean, yes, we, we always have to watch the evangelicals because you guys are always trying to get in there and <laughs> proselytize. That's your that's your business. That's what you guys are trying to do. It's but part, aside it's from part that, of religious freedom is sharing one's faith, John. Oh, gee, 
coercive conversion that and 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 pre- predatory proselytizing. I'm against. Is, I'm is against terrible. both of those. Right. I know you are. I know you are. I'm not. I'm not. Gonna, above I'm not board. Gonna, not, op- open yeah. sharing of one's faith is part of religious freedom, whether it's evangelical Christianity or Islam or uh, Methodism or Dungeons and Dragons or, or Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Okay, so I mean, so we're in complete agreement with that. I don't. It sounds like we're fighting, but we're not. So I'm in agreement with that. I think that the you know the the, the unga last week, president made a wonderful announcement. You know, we it was a multi faith announcement that was yep. all part of really ten years at the International Religious Freedom Roundtable. All of us contributing, and that came you know protection of holy sites, yep. protection of relics, yep. protection of places of worship. So those are the three components. And and thoughtfully, thoughtfully, that's where I saw Pastor Jeffries. Jeffrey, Jeffries, Jeffries. Jeffries. That's where I saw him at, at Unga and uh and and I was I was a guest. So I'm happy, was overjoyed to be there uh supporting the president and the vice president and Pompeo and and the rest uh over doing putting that together. Now I I on the other side, should there be more people in the cabinet? Yes. Should should yeah. we should we have uh, you know I I'm I get worried about you know our Secretary of Defense and 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 National Security Advisor. I don't feel like they are you know the the the, the A team serving right now. <laughs> you know, yeah. but uh, um, but we I think that those are areas that need to be certainly be strengthened. I think there needs to be more people in the White House uh, working on these issues. You know, I always say that during the most administrations, there's a thousand to fifteen hundred people working in the Ike Building, you know, and the Eisenhower Building is really where the business gets done. The yeah. White House, not the West Wing. Right. It's that, you know, and as you know, but uh, maybe our listeners don't know. So the Ike Building usually has a thousand to fifteen hundred people, but that right now during this entire presidency, it's like ninety eight to one hundred twenty five people are in that building. Uh-huh. There's more security surrounding the building than are people working. Yeah, the few times I was in there, it was pretty uh, pretty quiet. Yeah, well, and so there needs to be more of a brain trust, you know, involved in, and there really isn't a lot of go-to yeah. people. And admittedly, this is not Trump's fault. He just he's not a politician, so his bench is empty. So yeah. where does he go right. for, you know, qualified people that are going to be involved in his policies and everything else? And well, people like yeah. me, you know, or like you, we don't trickle up, you know. Right. So we're just dealing with staffers and appointees, but. It, it, it you know it doesn't we don't we don't inter- interact I mean I'm lucky enough to interact with the president a couple of times but yeah um, and I think he knows me as the guy with the funny hat right uh, <laughs> I'm ninety percent well, sure that's... you know what's what's remarkable I mean many things remarkable aside from the obvious uh, absurdity of uh, you know claiming a civil war like fracture uh, due to impeachment of the president and the president retweeting that you know just a week ago at Unga. Both the president and Jeffress, among with a lot of our friends, are trying to advance an initiative that is intended to bring people together ostensibly and unified uh, right. for a purpose um, yeah. that's greater than all of us, uh, sure. namely the safety and security of houses of worship. Right. And then and, less than a yeah. week later, tweeting this stuff that's highly, highly divisive. There's well, just a, it's just that, a, yeah. it's just a complete disconnect. Well, you can't take that away from you know, Pastor Jeffries. He's part of that evangelical council that cleared and approved all that that the, the speech verbiage 
for for Anga. Yeah. And he was there supporting it. I mean, can't take that away from the guy. Yeah. You know, so I, you know, I do find a li- So speaking of buildings. Okay. And uh formerly uh houses of worship and national security. Yeah. You and I both become aware or I've been aware for a while and uh, you sat in on a White House security briefing um recently. Talked about armed services or armed security increasing at churches at least right. in my in, in my subculture of uh, evangelical Christianity. And so you've heard the same thing about maybe mosques and um, and uh, synagogues. So I'm curious curious well, what you heard. Yeah, it's no secret. We know houses of worship are under under siege. Yeah. Sites and, – and I think religious sites have been under siege ever since like anybody's ever wanted to loot anything. Right. Yeah. So yeah. more uh, more often abroad than in the than in the U.S. Apart from um, grave digging. Uh, apart, well, <laughs> I was going to say apart from Jim Crow South, uh, that where where African American churches were frequently attacked. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean, I think so. There's so I think that there's and you know of course relics are being trafficked all over the place. Right. So uh, the, the White House has had this full day thing and. It was, it, it was more of an operational type okay. workshop, I, which means it's it's not really related to me. I stayed for the first part of it, and then Commerce called me to go take care of something, and I sat in a meeting with Commerce about about the census, actually, um, you know, the religious uh-huh. the religion question on the uh-huh. census, yeah. which we'll um, talk about but, on another episode, I imagine. Uh, yeah, I, I have meetings this week and next week on it, so uh, I should have some interesting stuff uh, uh, to talk about, but. Um, you know, it, 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 the community relations service, uh, with the department of justice and, uh, there's a, a council at the white house that, that discusses security of religious places of worship mm-hmm. and th- there's grants to put up fences, pay for security guards and do all oh. this other stuff. Now, you know, I go out to, you know, I've, I've gone out only a few times up to Adams, Adams center, which is way out in Sterling and it's so far away. I don't really go out there and, yeah. and, uh, um, yeah, Sterling, Sterling is not close. Sterling's like an hour away, man, yeah, from yeah. DC. I mean, DC like you, life, I, yeah. they use like a different currency. It's just, it's <laughs> like, you, you know, you have to, you know, you, you, you gotta like get a visa to go that far out. So I, 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 I go, but, but they're, you know, it's, it's open. You know, they have a, a wall around it, but I think that's just a, like a faux wall just because that I think because it's the property, but you know, you could drive in and out and I think they have a, like one or two guards like walking around, but I don't, you know, I, I don't, I, I, the problem is, is that places of worship are, are under attack. Yeah. And the, what the law enforcement guy said, the guy, this guy that was in charge of the, of putting, he was giving this, the initial speech. He said, he's all goes all over the world consulting about, about uh, uh, security and religious sites, and he goes, Europe is the test case. They're the canary, the yeah. for the for the coal mine. Yeah. So right now, I mean, I, honestly, I think that he was. I, I think he was really exaggerating because I travel to Europe all the time. Yeah. He's like, all the churches are covered in barbed wire. They, there's armed guards. What? There's this. There's that. And I go, yeah. I I, I travel forty weeks. First of all, I travel 40 weeks a year. I don't think that's the case. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Maybe some high-profile stuff. Sure. Maybe there's some stuff going on. But if you've ever been to Europe, there's a church around every corner. Yeah. 
every corner. And and so I, I just don't see it. But he, you know, he 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 rang the alarm bell. Uh, and then he said, well, this week alone, we cracked 12 cases that were going to, you know, that were the churches, synagogues and, and mosques were going to be attacked. And I, I was like, well, I didn't see anything in the news about cracking cases, you know, so he was ringing the alarm bell. Yeah. And, uh, and maybe it's all true, but there's grants available and they're mobilizing, uh, meaning the U.S. government is mobilizing the religious community to help protect, uh, protect places of worship but yeah. now we have the other side of this right yeah so they're saying register all your congregants congregants uh, isn't that what you guys say uh, uh parishioners register all congregants the people that is attend. a word too yeah Members. i don't know i don't know. i might i feel like i made up that word so <laughs> i have no idea what that means. It's a thing. so what so <laughs> they say register all your your number seven register all your people that go to your place of worship with the law local law enforcement Two, let law Weird. enforcement um, investigate map out and train in your buildings Wait, who's saying so, that this is the same this is in the same meeting the government's saying this train 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 then yeah. train then have your people trained on how to last that three to five minutes yeah. before response time comes yeah which i get that one yeah, right? yeah i get that one. then then it, then he goes you know everybody needs to be registered then you need to have security measures and you need to do this and you need that so okay so here's the deal if you can't if you, you know if you, you <laughs> so the first thing is Register all your congregants and 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 have them fingerprinted and have them this that whatever go yeah. to law enforcement and 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 so there's a record that's law enforcement has that's a record problematic. Well, so you know, I'm saying all this stuff because I want you to kick back on this. <laughs> Two is is have them train in your building, investigate your building, then have them monitor your building. Yeah. So what does that mean? Put camera up in the corner, put the this and then that, so that the, the police station they're watching you. Yeah. I, and then. You know, yeah, and we're not just talking about, you know, give them a list of your congregants. They have to fingerprint. They yeah. got to do this. They got to do it. And, you know, this this one guy who was in charge of the uh, the synagogue that got attacked in, in Pennsylvania, uh, Tree Life, right? Uh-huh. You know, he's in charge of a, a network of synagogues. You know? yeah. And it's Rosh Hashanah. We got to do a shout out to Rosh Hashanah because that's in, in you know, happy, happy high holiday for the Jewish community, which – you got to capitalize on that one. So, um, but uh, the challenge, the challenge is that this, 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 you know, this guy who was in charge of all these synagogues was attacked, and he says that that the training, the three to five minute training that they got was invaluable. Yeah, invaluable because then people knew what to do, and yeah. there was a lot of less loss of life and that sort of thing. I, I don't know. I don't know what the weapons that were used, and I don't know the nuances of all that stuff is. Because then I sit there and I think of El Paso, which wasn't a place of worship. It was a it was a Walmart, yeah. and the guy had this automatic weapon and then opened fire on on all on the the you know the the Mexican American community, and and that and there was there's and that was a place of worship, but there was a it's the same type of thing. Or if you look at what happened in Las Vegas? It wasn't religious, but there was a, you know, that that attack at uh, at Mandalay Bay. Yeah. So I think that I understand security training and I understand defensive training. I think that we get it gets problematic when you start fortifying houses of worship, yeah. and it starts to get problematic when you have like listening and observing devices installed with government funds, public funds. Right. And then you start registering all your congregants and fingerprinting them. And so everybody's on point. 
but then there's this other side where they're like, well, if you've got military guys and retired police officers and all kinds of other stuff, have them in, you know, ping them to help you with a security plan and all this other stuff. Yeah. And I think that I, I don't I, I, I'm not I don't know if, what, if I can make a judgment on what's right and what's wrong, considering right. the epidemic of gun violence that's in this country for on a, on a that's on religious and civil, you know, or religious yeah. and non-religious areas so i i don't know where where to where 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 it falls but and like like any other like just like a concert or a shopping mall or anything like anything else like that a a house of worship is is vulnerable uh it's supposed to be an open open space and uh, churches uh churches in particular they they typically want them to be welcoming to their community right um there's a whole (laughs) there's a whole industry kind of a subculture of uh christian uh, strategists and consultants on how to how to make your church uh, look and feel more welcoming and provide services and you know uh, coffee and you know ease ease of parking and guest parking lots and all that kind of stuff. So it's supposed to be a very open and welcoming thing. And as soon as you uh, you know steer down the road towards security concerns, you know it's a different it's a different story. Um, and so I've seen this for a number of years. Uh, I think frankly, even before I came went to Washington and then came back again. Uh, well, churches have been uh, subtly, kind of quietly. I mean, it's, you know, there's a lot of the, like Baptist Press, uh, which is a Southern Baptist uh, news newspaper, uh, reports on a lot of this stuff about some of the details that have been going on the last few years. Um, but, you know, there are consultants that are training churches and, and church teams on, on how to provide security for themselves um, in the face of some kind of attack. Now, a lot of that is pretty, um, I think what most churches are, are choosing are, you know, plain clothed, uh, trained first responder type people uh, may, may not even be armed, uh, but people who are kind of patrolling the grounds and, and recognizing, uh, trying to scope out when someone uh, might be problematic is approaching uh, the building so that they can, uh, you know, prevent entry, um, and, and not get to the point of, um, exchanging fire. Uh, so I think that's where most of it is, but plenty of churches, especially, um, in States like where I am in Tennessee have, you know, there are lots of folks who even without the church security concern are, are, you know, licensed to do concealed carry. And, uh, like you say, they're, they're ex law enforcement or current law enforcement or ex military. And those people have a mind for security. And, uh, so that, that's really a thing. So I was curious what it looked like, um, in the mosque and the synagogue space. You know, I mean, as far as I know, I mean, I, I think the Jewish community is do it does a very good job of, of making sure that they're secure. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, there's and and look, they've been under siege for forever. I mean, forever, so right. forever. I mean, <laughs> so I mean, I, I, I mean, it's it's just so it, look, it looks different now in the particulars, but uh, right. The, but they the have Jewish, a better the Jewish people as you know historically, obviously, they've been a group that uh, has survived all sorts of evil throughout the history. Well, it, I just think they have a they have a history of protectionism that that is. Uh, very warranted. And then on top of that, they're better at it, at protecting themselves because they've been at it so long. My community, for example, the smiley community, you know, we, <laughs> you know, we're not, we're, we're, you know, we sell out in, in, in JK's, Jamat Konas that are, 
that aren't as pronounced as as other religious sites other places of worship no if you go down to texas of course you go down to texas and where they have a large community they're more open the jimaconas there are grand and beautiful same thing in toronto yeah i mean they're just they're wonderful places i would love to be in a place like that uh but we don't have that in washington there's one jk and the jk is out in falls church and i think it's in the back, it's it's in the. I know it's in the back of a strip mall, and it's like you wouldn't know where it is unless you know. Um, and and it's because it's it, there's a big security component to it, right? Uh, uh, you know, and that's not because outside faiths have been on us. Uh, it's because our own faith has been on us. Yeah, yeah we right. weren't Muslims until we were two thousand four, two thousand five, uh, at least considered by the Ummah. Uh, the, the the larger Sunni and Shia community to be part of the the, the Ummah until 2004 2005. So so um, so I think there are security minded sort of communities. Yeah. Uh, and the Jewish community is has a very robust. This gentleman who's speaking had this wonderful wonderful sort of robust program and you know, the communities involved and everything else. But the Jewish community is not only they tight close knit. It, it's it there's not a lot of transient quality to the Jewish community like there is in the Muslim community um and you know there's different sectional differences I think with the Muslim community as with I think the evangelical community you know where you know I don't know but you guys have you are bunkered in in the south so <laughs> I, you know I was just in North Carolina early this summer and I, 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 I I'm trying to figure out why there are two and then I'm like, there's two Baptist church right next to each other. Right. How do you know which one to go to? And then, right. and then there was a one. Just you look, you the look online. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I was like, I don't know. I was like, are they brothers? Did they in a fight? You know, so yeah. I was like, they share a property line. Yeah. So, it, yeah. so there must be why. And it seems like to me, like such a waste of resources to not, you know, have the same building or not yeah. do that. But, but sure. I'm sure there's, there's obviously ideological differences or philosophical differences between the, the way in which they need the, to operate. The two different business. Baptist churches. Yeah. 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 So, um, but they're, they're right next to each other. And if you go, look, you yeah, go to welcome, any city, welcome to the South. Well, well, if you and if you go in, but if you go in any city in America, and I don't think this is what people realize in Muslim countries, any city in America, there's multiple churches. There's right. the Baptist church, there's the Methodist church, there's the Catholic church. There's a yeah. it's the same thing in Muslim countries. Instead of churches, just mosques, mosques. Right. So yeah. it's just different mosques from different sects and uh-huh. different you know you, imams, different pastors, if you will. Do you do you preaching. have do you have different mosques of different um, uh, sects uh, sharing property lines? In you know, Muslim countries, I, or do they spread out a little more? I must. I, well, I mean, if you go to Istanbul, uh, the Blue Mosque and the Hagia Sophia are right there, right next to each other. Uh-huh. Uh, um, I'm sure there are, but I, I don't. I can't. I can't shout out on what. Do you, on, on a, do you ever have mosque splits like we do with Christian churches? Like Christian churches sometimes split over theological or oh, uh, or application well, or like yeah, worship mom, styles well, or yeah, pastoral like leadership. A, yeah, two moms might take a might take issue with each other and take a part of the you know what's what do you guys call it the flock uh, with mm-hmm. them uh, mm-hmm. and and go down the you know go down the road and and you know with with his and play only play with his marbles I mean take his marbles and go or whatever <laughs> I'm sure yeah I think I mean that happens I I I was in uh, Kabul and uh, there was a dispute. I, I mean I'm not laughing I just I, it's a curious it's the same thing it's the same thing the same thing happen in different. In different faiths, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like I said, the the I, I'm trying to think of, and maybe we maybe we covered this last time. I don't know, but one of the most religiously tolerant places on the planet, in in as far as Muslim countries, is that I experienced was Afghanistan. Shia and Sunni, even though they have separate mosques, uh-huh. we when we went out, we we would, um, we would we I could salat out Shia style in in. In a in a general mosque, and it's predominantly a Sunni country. Nobody bothered me. Yeah. Uh, I was shocked, to be honest with you, when I first went to Afghanistan. It was really it was everybody. No one cared. Just nobody cared. Um, now in the south, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but in Kabul, no way. When I was in Mazar, when I was in Harat, when I was in Kunduz, Jabad, Jalalabad, fine. Kandahar is a little little a little dicey. I did get hit uh, by a guy uh, yeah. with a stick, yeah. uh, but then I asked. I said, "How do I know you're Muslim?" And then he thoughtfully came, went in and prayed with me, slotted out with me. Yeah, that was really, you know, and he was and he was Taliban. He was after so, he, after he was assaulting you with a stick. Well, he, well, he saw. He he said, "I yeah, I didn't pray right, and I needed to go. I didn't, you know, I needed uh, to go back in." Yeah, and he was hitting me, and I I I grabbed a stick. And it's a special name for stick. I can't remember what it is in Dari. And uh, and then he, then everybody got, everybody's like, wait, wait, he's, he, he, <laughs> they're like, John, this is, this is a problem, right? Because, you know, right. it's Taliban. And, uh, and I'll just be honest with you. He, he then, I said, I don't know you're Muslim. I don't I know what you're, and we went in together and we had a really thoughtful prayer time. And then on top of that, tea afterwards, and he was very <laughs> philosophical. So I don't know. I was, I was, you know, a little kind of taken aback by that whole experience. Uh, but then again, um, he wasn't persecuting me when it, yeah. when I questioned him, like, "What's your authority for being here?" Yeah, you know. And I don't know if you're Muslim or not either. So that leaves the two of us not knowing about yeah. each other. Yeah. So he 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 was all of a sudden his mindset changed, his face changed, everything changed. And he walked in with me. He was like holding my hand. Uh, interesting. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't know. I kind of imagine Pastor Jeffrey, Jeff is, Jeff is to be like that, you know? Yeah. So, you yeah. know, um, but uh, I, I kind of, you know, it's, I think it's easy to be fiery, you know, in, public, fiery in public and uh, uh, genteel in private. Or, you know, once you t- turn around, you, you like kind of st- in psychology, uh, they call it like stepping down, you know, when you've got like anger or you're dealing with something crazy yeah. and then you, you step down, you take three steps back and say, wait a minute, what am I doing? Yeah. That's was the experience that I had there. Um, uh, and, and I think, I think that, it, you know, I think when it comes to religious sites and protection of them, I, I think we're at, we do have an epidemic, but it's not just religious sites. I think yeah. that if we, the focus is we have a gun problem, yeah. uh, an assault problem, a, I don't know what you're going to call it. And, and, it's happening in, in in not just in religious spaces, but spaces all over the country, yeah. and well, we and, need to figure it out. Yeah, and we still and we clearly have an intelligence problem, right? With these with these guys who clearly are throwing red flags all over the place, and well, not I, being, again, you and, know, my whole thing and about complaints, law enforcement, yeah, yeah. And, and complaints I, aren't know. being registered, they're not being checked out, and they're being you know able to can, you know carry, carry I, again, weapons and purchase. I've said and it like, a couple times, you know, I said it a couple times, El Paso guy was online 
told yeah. them what they were going to do, gave the route online, had yeah. a manifesto, had all this stuff. Yeah. And the law enforcement just – and they knew what was going on. They just let it happen. Yeah. And so it wasn't – the responders were great. I'm not sure. going to say the yeah, yeah, responders yeah. No, were wonderful. But the, the investigators yeah. let it happen. And mm-hmm. if that was a Muslim terrorist, that guy would have been shut down immediately and locked up. And it never would have happened. So they, you know, they, they they look in different directions. Well, and we've got, we've got to have the security folks, but local law enforcement and FBI sensitized and scoping out the white nationalist, white supremacist violence, just like they scope out uh, foreign terror violence, right? Uh, hey, so before we go, yeah, U.S. impeachment, Trump. I think this is going to be a long, ongoing thing. So, I have two questions for each of us. Our predictions. Number one, at this point, will impeachment actually happen? And then two, if impeachment happens, is he removed from office? I don't think look, it, it, the way our system works is you know, the House has pe- impeachment and then the Senate has, you know, is it, you know, put, is yeah. what's that? The conviction power. to actually Yeah, remove. conviction power. So, um, you know, here's the deal. I, you're saying predictions. I don't know. I mean, I think that the, there is a, a pretty tight case of evidence. It was, oh God, it was Swalwell, the okay. uh, Congressman Swalwell that from, from California. So as a prosecutor, when you have an event and then you have proof of the event and then you have an, an omission, you, uh, an admission, a, a, a confession, you prosecute that as it is. You don't need witnesses. Yeah. Right. So, so that was an interesting take. Um, yeah. I heard on the I heard on the news someone's that said, and I've heard this before, before, where no one can take down Trump but Trump, much like no one could take down Tyson, you know, Mike Tyson, but Mike Tyson. Yeah. So Mike Tyson, you know, bit Holyfield's ear, and that's what that's what undid everything with Tyson, right? Yeah. yeah. So, if, is this the issue? Is this something that that is this the undoing of Trump? I think that the House will move. They'll impeach. I think that 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 McConnell, you know, it's anybody's game. If if McConnell feels like he has enough people in the judiciary and he feels like you know the the, the tax bill and everything else is good, yeah, they they will discard Trump. I, I I'll be honest with you. I don't think the Republicans have any loyalty to him at all. Uh, well, not behind, not behind closed doors, but publicly and electorally, I think they do still. Well, I just think they're wait. They they don't need it because they have Pence. So, so yeah. you know, and there's and the and and they've been waiting for this for something that's constitutional, that's that's black and white to to destroy the president. Um, and and they have they have their guy. They have Pence sitting there with his own NSC, with his own staff, yeah, with his own that, stuff ready. That to is rock. true. I you know I I think you're right. The the Republican calculation in the Senate because I. On, on the one hand, I'm extremely skeptical that you'd get – because even if the House does its thing, you still need two-thirds vote of the Senate to convict yeah. him and therefore remove him from office. And right. the likelihood of that happening, I think in the House, for the Democrats, it's a political calculation. In the Senate, uh, you know, for it to legally have some teeth and to actually remove him from office, uh, the Senate's got to do two-thirds Right. 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 That's a and, lot. But, you know, I think you, the, I think you're right. The, the, the most the most plausible, you know, deal maker for Republicans, if that were to happen, would be because they they like Pence uh, and that that could be a game changer. I'm still skeptical on whether or not uh, the House actually goes through with impeachment. 
I think they, the longer they it don't draws have to. on into yeah, they don't have to. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, ju- I just think politically speaking, um, yeah. whether or not it should be done or not, I think politically speaking, you know, right now you're in a two week recess. You're coming back. You know, you have a, a few weeks before Thanksgiving, and then you got the holidays, and you've got you know. Uh, I just, the you know, Dems had to do it though. The Dems see the Dems had to do it. it they stood. They they don't stand for anything, so they had yeah. to go for impeachment because it. Well, they've been, it they've been looking for it for so long. Yeah. They've been looking yeah. for it for for since day one, and they've yeah. been ramped they, they up. And 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 the Ukraine phone call looks like a smoking gun of sorts. Um, Right, and, right, uh, and and so they had to show that they stand for something. It leads into the t- the 2020 election that shows that they stand for constitutional values, and 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 it gives them an agenda item to to really push down the road, and and show that they they can take a stand and they can fight. Yeah. So that that they had to do it. You know, I, I just so I think that that's what's going to go. That's what's going to happen. They the, the I think that there's we're you you differ from me but uh but i think that uh the the dems really have to move on this yeah. in short order and they have to they have to rock it if they're going to stand say show that they stand for anything and they're going to have to be very very judicious on who they call because i mean can you imagine <laughs> calling Rudy Giuliani, right. Giuliani? like i <laughs> uh, well and I, you know i think for 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 people of faith at this point in in american history we need to be really cautious about where uh, how we talk about this stuff and uh, how 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 we're watching and uh, be be cautious to not let our faiths and our faith community um, be dragged into partisan uh, politics any more than they already have. Um, well, so I, I think, don't know. Uh, if they, yeah, I mean, we're already there. I mean, we're already there. I think, but I think some some of the lessons is to try to pull pull back out of that. Well, that let's let that be the last word. <laughs> What do you sounds, think? Sounds good, my friend. We well, need to hold hands. Yeah, we, and... we, we've we've gone we've gone long, but uh, we we need to appeal to uh, our our faith leaders to be uh, the cooler heads in these in this, uh, especially in this kind of this kind of well, environment. The, well, the problem is, is where it was. Where do you stand on Mueller? Now it's where do you stand on impeachment? Right. Yeah. It's a you very know, now... very polarizing. Anyways, um, your last word. All right. Well, that's my last word. Uh, it's serious, serious times even made even more serious for our nation in, in light of the impeachment and uh, we need to be cautious about how, uh, how we talk to each other about these things This has been Crossing Phase with John Pinnett and Matt Hawkins, a podcast of Roll Top Productions. We'd appreciate your review of our program wherever you listen, especially in the iTunes store, but we're also over at Google Podcasts, Overcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn. Let us know what you think of the program on Twitter, at MTHawk, at JT Pinnett, or at Crossing Phase. Music for this episode is provided by Vajra, whose music is available at thevajratemple.com, Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon. Show notes and other information is available at crossingfaiths.com.